Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast, y'all. Today we have invited Winston Pemberton onto the podcast to talk about his uber cool experience as an uncertified Tesla mechanic, a bit of his experience with the magic doc and his salvaged Tesla to talk about him, lessons learned, and dive into some of the nitty gritty details of the interesting experiments that you have done. So welcome, Winston. We also have Kyle joining us today, but how are y'all doing? Doing great. Yeah, it's great to be here. Great to see you both. Um, I'm excited to chat about these things. Yeah. Me too. Thanks for calling in from Spokane, you know, the nice and lovely Pacific Northwest. And we've got Kyle sitting in pretty for Collins. So let's dive in. Winston, a little bit about you that I've gathered is that um, you're, you know, you're on Twitter, you've got a pretty heavy following, and you are an EV enthusiast and an uncertified Tesla mechanic. So tell me a little bit like how that happened, how you got into this, and really how you've honed your skills here to be able to do these cool tests, cool experiments along the way. Yeah, so um, it really started probably about two to three years ago. Um, I was just sitting on YouTube. Uh, I was a big fan of Rich Rebuilds. So I'd watched a lot of Rich Rebuilds. Uh, if you don't know about his story, he bought a Model S that had been rolled and then a Model S that had been flooded and combined the two. And he made like the world's cheapest Tesla. It was 6500 bucks, but it also took him a year. So that's where I really got started, where I was like, wow, this is this is a really cool project. And obviously his was at much larger scale, a lot more difficult, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears shed for that. Um, so, and then I discovered other YouTube channels uh, about people rebuilding these Model 3s. And I discovered one called Tesla Charged. Uh, it's all one word. It's a pretty cool YouTube channel. Uh, the owner's name is Casey. Has around 2,500 subscribers, I think. Um, and yeah, so he, back in 2020, when COVID started, bought a wrecked Model 3, uh, it completely smashed up front end and rebuilt it in his garage. Uh, he loved Model 3s. Uh, his wife had one. And so 
That's why he started it. And so I've been following his videos along uh, really closely. And then one day he decided, like, let's start a Discord server. So Discord is pretty much, it's for gamers in a way. But um, we've kind of turned it into this massive, uh, just this server where we talk about rebuilding Teslas. There's probably like two or 300 members now, just all about rebuilding Teslas. We all share our problems, uh, help each other out. So that's really where I got started. So for a solid year, I was just watching that, seeing common problems, just learning how to fix different things. And that was a big, that's where I learned a lot. And that, that year was pretty critical. Um, and then back in 2022, towards the end of the year, so December, last December, uh, I was telling my parents they wanted an electric vehicle because my mom's been driving uh, out of town a lot. And uh, they said, well, what about a Nissan Leaf? Because, you know, it was in the twenty twenty one thousand dollars price range. And I was like, heck no. <laughs> well, a little is a cool car. They were thinking about a newer one. But then I said, they kind of wanted all wheel drive because the snow here is pretty brutal. So I just said, well, I know all this research. Let's buy a Model 3, uh, a wrecked Model 3. And this was when prices were at the peak. Um, but that didn't really play a huge role in the salvage value of cars. So pretty interesting prices of uh, Model 3s new will go down or go up. But salvage value stays similar it goes up and down it fluctuates but it's at a lesser value because the cars are destroyed and at a lesser price point so we bought this car it was a long range all-wheel drive 2019 I actually just realized that the other day after <laughs> I thought it was a 2018 um and so we bought that car and it was uh fifteen thousand one hundred and thirty dollars and then it was in Seattle Washington so we shipped it over here for 500 bucks and then put about, uh, it was like six or $7,000 in parts and paint into it. And it came out about 23 grand, which was great, especially for those prices back then. Um, obviously, it did take a dent uh, for sure uh, after Elon slashed the prices for the Model 3s. Model 3 prices came crashing down. So at the time, it was a solid deal for about a month. Like, wow, Tesla for 23000 And the spec it had, very low miles, uh, standard autopilot. Uh, so it was, it was a great car. It's still a great car. We've put um, almost 20,000 miles on it since uh, March when it was finished. So we really drive it a ton. Uh, yeah, so that's really where it all started. And then uh, more recently, we bought, uh, my, my dad was like getting kind of jealous. He was like, I kind of want one. So uh, I found, I was just actively looking because I enjoy looking at auctions, just learning what kind of damage and stuff. And so we found a long range rear wheel drive in Portland, Oregon, which is about 300 miles uh, from us. And it, had, it has like 50,000 miles on it. Uh, it's a 2018 long-range rear-wheel drive. Kyle had one of those back in the day. Crazy efficient, kind of like the new ones. Uh, so I told him about it, and he was like, yeah, I'm definitely interested. So that car was a great deal, considering it had um, very minimal damage, no airbags deployed in this accident. It had FSD, low mileage, premium connectivity for life. It was just a really good deal. So that car was about 13 grand after fees and everything. And then we parts and paint was about five, 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 so fifty five hundred. So altogether it was eighteen thousand five hundred. When FSD at the time was fifteen grand, it was like, well, spend thirty five hundred dollars more and you can get this car with FSD. <laughs> so that's really where it all started. That's fascinating, actually. And I, I've I've been a, a a fan of your Twitter account for a while, and we've talked over the years, of course. And uh, just watching how you've taken these two cars and and really rebuilt them yourself, which is really cool. Um, especially being super young. Like, I just think there's so much cool potential in the future with you. So we want to keep on top of the conversations with you going forward. But 
I saw you post on Twitter the other day, which really sparked Let's Talk Now, which is something that we cover a lot. It had to do with charging. And it was specifically, you cannot supercharge your Tesla. And this is nothing new. Teslas that have been salvaged typically are cut off from the supercharger network. And my understanding is Tesla will now just recently do like a recertification for supercharging for like two grand or something really expensive, but there's no guarantee that your car will pass and supercharge. So you're, you're like throwing money into the orb and hoping that they accept it. And then secondly, uh, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that, Winston, but secondly, with Magic Dock, you can charge any CCS vehicle with Tesla Magic Dock. So you can have a Mach-E that's burned to the ground that just has a charge port remaining and it'll charge because it's a CCS vehicle and it will activate. But interestingly, your Tesla that was salvaged will not charge with the CCS Magic Dock adapter because it reverts back to the Tesla communication even though you're using the CCS adapter. Can you explain all of those topics above, please? Yeah. So yeah, starting with supercharging. So when a car is supercharged or salvaged, uh, Tesla gets word of it. it. Usually you can tell Tesla knows when it transfers ownership. So the car goes to auction. So when I usually get these cars, they can supercharge. Like if I were to drive down to my charger, I could just plug it in and it would supercharge for the first month or so. So that works. And then usually after I'll take it into Tesla service, just to order, just order parts, it's immediately flagged, warranties voided. It's just crazy. Like, uh, I went in there one week to order parts, still had supercharging, still had my warranty. And I was looking in the app and I was like, I wonder what's going to happen. Went into the supercharger, like to the service center, the car connected to whatever their network was, service mode plus is what they call it. And immediately warranty voided, supercharging disabled. And it was just one of those things that I I expected it. Uh, It doesn't bother me too much uh, because we usually just do around town driving. But uh, what I ended up doing is the CCS retrofit to um, one of our cars. I still need to do it to the other. Uh, So pretty much, you know, CCS works great. I have the combo adapter. I should have brought it up here with me. Uh, The combo adapter, I got that for 150 bucks from Tesla's website. It works solid. Um, We've driven to Seattle a couple of times using Electrify America in Ellensburg, Washington. It's been great. So yeah, coming back to this, this is an interesting story. So I showed up uh, Moses Lake. It's about an hour and a half away from me. Drove there with my CCS adapter in hand, and I was like, this should work. The car should recognize this charger as a, it should recognize that the CCS adapter is there, and it should recognize that the car is, uh, you know, just a normal CCS station. That's what I hoped. And a lot of people on Twitter, I think if you look through these comments here, you'll see like, oh, wow, that's surprising. Um, It works. It'll work. No problem. And I was like, okay. I was still very skeptical. I did not, I was like, there's, Tesla's got a, Tesla's smarter than this. So I plugged in and immediately I got the same notification. It said, it says supercharging not enabled, try AC charging. Um, And so that's definitely kind of annoying that it knew, Uh, but it also was kind of expected in a way. But yeah, so what's happening is, is when you plug the car into a supercharger normally, the car's charge port, uh, it's actually a charge port air, charge port ECU detects that it's a supercharger, which then sends a signal to the MCU. And the MCU says, oh, we're not configured to supercharge. And then it sends it back to the charge port and says, sorry, no supercharging. Um, And then CCS, obviously, if you have the CCS uh, retrofit done, like I do, it uh, overrides that pretty much. So when I was at Magic Dock, 
it just, it knew, went straight through. It's like, there's nothing there. And it makes sense because there are pins on the CCS adapter that are solely for communication. I think you're, yeah, that's correct. Um, and it makes sense because the car was like, oh, this is a supercharger, you know? So definitely. definitely yeah, because my understanding is when you plug in, even with the magic dock sorted, the car is the one who's saying, I can or can't supercharge. So why can't you just root access to the Tesla system and just enable supercharging and not pay the two grand Tesla once? Yeah, well, you can. You definitely can. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of people out there. Yeah, the thing is, um, I actually know a guy. He lives in my town, and we were chatting because he owns a salvage Tesla. And he's like, I did it to my car. But that's where I feel like the waters get a little bit tricky because uh, they say I was to have an issue with my Tesla that, you know, obviously I couldn't fix. And I was like, I have no idea what's going on here. I could take it into Tesla service. They would see that and be like, sorry, we won't work on this car. And so that's definitely an issue. Another issue well, is- Will they be, work yeah, on the car now, even though it's salvage? They won't. And let, they will work on anything besides high voltage. Oh, okay. So they won't do anything for the battery or motors, AC compressor, PTC heater, uh, anything like that. But I think if I were to ask them, be like, hey, can you swap out my windshield? Or my seat is broken, but I would just do that stuff myself because a Tesla seat is like 1500 bucks and on eBay, it's like 400 bucks. Anyway, so um, yeah, it's definitely really interesting to see that. So yeah, you can hack into the car and change a couple settings just super easily and add supercharging back on. The problem is when future software updates come out, they could override that and this software update may revert that back. So there's that problem. Uh, but I've also seen a lot of people adding FSD to their cars, free supercharging, premium connectivity, just these crazy things. It's endless in a way. Like it's really, I, I consider that that I would never do that because Tesla, they found out, you know, you're scamming them out of 15 grand plus charging per kilowatt. So it's just really interesting. Uh, ah, so if, you were to, if you were to manually enable supercharging, then you don't get billed for it in this case. Well, yes, you technically would get billed for it unless, unless you pretty much, you can make the car, you can make the car pretty much a ghost vehicle in a way. So right, if you enable, isn't yeah. it the car that says, here's how much I charged to Tesla, not the supercharger? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because yeah. So, um, which that'd be interesting to test. What if, if you, you just like there. unplug the SIM card and it has no connectivity? Yeah. I wonder if you'll just get free charging. Yeah, I mean, you could probably do that. Yeah, I actually know it would probably once the car got into data, just charge you. Yeah, sure. Once it gets reconnected. Yeah. But yeah. I, I guess that's the part that I don't fully understand as to like uh -huh. who's handling what portion of all this. But either way, I think the real story here is you took your salvage Tesla, tried to charge it at a public CCS station, which is a Tesla magic dock, and it didn't work. And I think that's a bit of a shame. I really expected it to work. Uh, you know, my my theory originally was, okay, well, you've activated CCS. Just put it in that profile, and it shouldn't even care what the VIN number of the car is or anything. But again, because the car recognized it was plugged into a supercharger, it shut it down. Meanwhile, your car is perfectly safe to DC charge. You did, sounds like you DC charge it all the time using public CCS stations. And so this is just a case of, I don't know. It just seems like $2,000 is such a high barrier to entry for most of these cars for the chance of getting supercharging enabled. If it was guaranteed and they said, hey, if it doesn't pass, we'll refund you. You just pay us the hour labor or whatever it is that we use to look at it. Then I kind of get that. But what's your theory? What should Tesla do here? 
Okay, so I actually put a big tweet about this um, earlier. I don't know where it was, but after the fact. And it was just kind of me ranting a little bit about like, this is kind of ridiculous. Um, obviously, we know these cars can be safe, but they also cannot be safe. So you can have a car like mine, which just has front end damage, where the driver drove it into a pole at 15 miles an hour. And the only reason it was going to get fixed, this is a little backstory, but it was going to get fixed. But the body shop wait time was about a year in Portland, Oregon. Insurance was just like, nope, we're done. There's no way. Just go buy yourself a new car. So there's that. So there's the aspect of how destroyed was the car. And that information is very accessible. If you take any car, like if you take my VIN and plug it into Google and press images, you can see exactly what my car looked like at auction. So I think it'd be cool if Tesla was to find be like hey can you show us photos of your car damaged and then then they can put it up on the lift do an inspection without dropping the battery because that's the big portion of it dropping the battery dropping the batteries where a lump sum of money comes from and then they also want to uh certify the 12 volt system and stuff like that which i've seen it it's varying from service center to service center so early in the times like when they first announced this like a year ago when they were going to recertify Excuse me. And I saw on Facebook, a guy was like, yeah, I spent $675 and they recertified my car. And I was like, well, that's just insane. And then my buddy Casey over at Tesla Charged got his done for $1,200. And then I was like, well, why don't I do this? This is such a good deal. I contacted uh, all four service centers in Washington uh, and they said $2,200 would be, they said anywhere between $2,000 to $2,200. And I was like, there's no way because back at, you know, someone a year ago paid $675. I'm like, how can that, how can that be correct? Oh, that's wild. So yeah, I mean, this is just a typical Tesla, not totally understanding how to handle unique customer situations. Uh, everything with Tesla is amazing when you follow the exact sales delivery after sales process. As soon as you're like out of that world, even slightly, no one knows what the heck to do. And it sounds like Tesla is just like oh, big money now, 2,200 bucks, two grand. And you got to drop the battery pack and do all that. Like I'm all for making sure a car is safe to DC charge, but the car also does a whole bunch of self checks for insulation, isolation, all of these whole things in the service mode where like it can know if it's unsafe to charge. I mean, literally there's processes in this charging um, uh, in the CCS protocols in ISO 15118 that require putting high voltage on the line with very little current with the contactors open to look for leakage before it dumps in and charges. So like, it's not, I don't really think you'd ever find a situation where it's completely unsafe to DC charge. Um, certainly not one to warrant this kind of response, especially if the cars still allow DC charging on public networks. Like if the car said, Hey, there's so much of a problem. Do not DC charge this car at all. Like, cool. I get that. Don't bring that to a fast charger. Don't let that car supercharge. But if you can like go across the street and still get, you know, full power on CCS, what, what is Tesla doing? Uh, I don't know what they're protecting themselves from now, especially now that other vehicles beyond Tesla, regardless of their salvage status or not, will be able to supercharge. Oh, yeah. So that's a big thing. And I want to talk about, you know, the isolation faults, stuff like that. When you have an isolation fault, the car won't even go into drive. If your PTC heater failed, which creates, you know, I think you were showing this in your video, that HVIL page shows you that circular thing around the car. If there's like, if that circuit's open, car won't even go to drive, won't even charge. So I think the car has so many uh, protocols that it goes through to DC fast charge, like you were saying with those contactors. 
Um, and I think, you know, it's 100% safe. I've been doing this for, you know, eight months, just DC fast charging this car with no issues whatsoever. It's just Tesla from a liability standpoint is like, we can't risk it. But then that comes into the fact where it's like, you're going to have a Mustang Mach-E on the charging network that could be completely destroyed, except the battery is fine. The onboard charger is fine. You know, BMS is fine. The car is going to charge completely fine. And Tesla's going to allow that besides my Tesla that's been put together back together. It's just really interesting. And I think what Tesla should do is, um, and I put this in my tweet, I said that they should uh, ask for photos of the car and min- like figure out where the damage was. So if it was rear end damage, focus most of their inspection on the rear end, make sure everything is okay. If it was side damage, side. And then if it was front end, make sure everything is okay up front. So if they could do that, and then they obviously can see the battery pack when it's up on the lift. Um, they have really nice lifts there, like 15,000 pound lifts, and they can see under there very, very well. And if you can, see, you're going to be able to see a wrinkle in the battery pack. You're going to be able to see a, a slight bend. You're going to be able to, see, you're going to be able to see everything just by taking off those aero shields. Um, it's just amazing. And in a way, I don't think they need to drop the battery pack because unless, unless the damage, they look at the photo and be like, wow, that damage really made it back there. Then they should inform the owner, like, we are going to proceed with extra caution with your vehicle due to the fact that we saw these photos of the vehicle at auction. And we just do not think it's a safe, uh, safe bet. And we want to ensure 100%. Are you okay with this? So in my opinion, the inspection should be anywhere between $700 to $1,000. Yeah, That's that, what price I would pay point, that price point seems much more uh, palatable than, than two grand, especially on a whole car that might only cost it, I mean, today we're in that fifteen to $18,000 range. In a few years, they might be ten grand salvaged. And so, you know, totally with you on this. However, I do understand Tesla protecting themselves from liability. I also have seen cars show up at auction that have been like slightly repaired. And then you'll see photos maybe where the front end was damaged, but looks okay. So I get why Tesla needs to put their hands on this vehicle. What I think you and I both agree on is, well, how is this fair? If you can DC charge, you know, I don't know why we keep choosing Mustang Mach-E, but a totaled, you know, ID4 rolls up and they can DC charge, whereas the Tesla can't. Now we have a little bit of a situation. So I think the systems on the car are smart enough to know when there's a fault. Certainly if there's an open circuit anywhere, the whole car shuts down, like you had mentioned. And, um, you know, my gut feeling, and I'm not nearly in this world as much as you, is just Tesla has to remove this and just let, you know, everything supercharger, at least use CCS magic docs when available and understand there might be a slightly higher risk, but I don't think we've seen too many problems on this topic. Cause we have to end pretty soon. I have seen unofficial Tesla DC fast charge adapters out there where, uh, in Russia, was it, or somewhere in Eastern Europe, someone fibbed all of the communication from the Tesla with the fact that it can supercharge and then charged another car from it. And I thought that was pretty cool. This was years ago, uh, but I saw this for sure. And it was, it was pretty fascinating. He had like a whole box that did everything. I think I have seen those guys. Uh, they actually were able to enable FSD beta in Russia as well. More recently. Okay. I think I remember right. I saw a video of FSD beta driving down this in Russia. And it was just like, everyone was like, how did they do this? And they just convinced the car with a VPN when it was in the U S obviously yeah. it was confused. It was like, well, what is this different language of these speed signs? <laughs> sure. Right. I, yeah. I really, I really enjoy watching people hack 
their cars because oh and this is all also another thing um i know you had this we had to end pretty soon but you were saying um so it's about terms and conditions when you are supercharging your car i believe you assume all liability to think i i don't know someone mentioned that on twitter it was like when you're driving your car you assume liability of what it's going to do so it seems like maybe the but it's all about pr as well so yeah, I mean, of course, you want to avoid anything to do with electric car and fire, specifically Tesla and fire in this case. And so, like, I get where they're coming from. But I think their intentions are in the right place, but I think the execution is not done so well. So uh, I'm sure eventually this will get worked out and there's a happy medium. But, um, you know, you should come back on the podcast if things, you know, evolve as you have projects coming up. Uh, you know, our viewers will see more of you across out of spec into next year. So, uh, you know, everyone stay tuned and yeah, thanks for arranging all this, Francie. Yeah, of course. It's really interesting to hear your background, Winstead, and all the really cool experiments that you're doing and all the experience that you're gaining along the way, really into the insight of how all this is working on the back end that a lot of people don't get when they don't dig in like you do. So we'd love to have you back on the podcast. And um, I was just thinking about the liability perspective. You know, I think Tesla is responsible for how the chargers behave, but to a degree that the owner is responsible for the car. So finding the compromise there is sticky. I can only imagine from their point of view, they want to keep things very clean, um, but such an interesting story. Winston, what else uh, do you have coming up? What other projects are coming down the line for you that you want to share about before we sign off, if any, or maybe you're sticking around the what you're currently doing? Well, yeah, I would either, I would like to do the CCS retrofit to our other car as well. Um, CCS has treated me well so far. Uh, I know a lot of people have horror stories at Electrify America. I've only had one derated to 50 kilowatts and I was only on the working station. Everyone else was, there was a line forming behind me. Um, so I think in the future, I would like to buy a Chevy Bolt, um, like a 2018, because if you think about it, that car is a brand new battery pack due to that recall. Uh, sorry, my earbuds falling out, but a uh, brand new battery pack, even if it has high mileage, it's like you're getting a full on new battery pack. It doesn't matter the mileage really at that point. Um, and with this new used EV tax credit, you could get yourself into a bolt for, you know, eight to nine grand. And those cars get what, two, 220 miles of range, especially with the new battery pack. You know, it's kind of a no brainer. At first I thought about getting a leaf, uh, kind of like Kyle's, uh, just finding the cheapest leaf in the US and buying it there was actually one locally but yeah i'm not really sure what the plans are right now um if i could get a leaf for around a thousand bucks 1200 bucks at auction which i've seen them i, I would do that yeah mm -hmm. uh, i know kyle has some plans for his leaf uh, <laughs> um so if you ever find a leaf with a 64 kilowatt hour battery pack or even the 43 i think it was the middle one yeah uh, let me know because i may swap that one apparently the 60, the big battery is not the one to have. It's the middle mm -hmm. 43 kilowatt hour because yes. they have better thermal longevity. Yep. And there's actually a company in Portland, Oregon and in Seattle that'll, that, that have thrown 60, 63 kilowatt hour packs into these Leafs. And you can just see the mileage displayed like 250 miles. And it's, this is, this is Tesla range, you know, this is early model S range, but on a 2011 Leaf. So amazing. Very cool. Well, thank you again, Winston and Kyle, for coming on and nerding out about this. This was really fun to listen to and learn about. And we look forward to having you back on the podcast in the future. Keep up the great work. Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in to the Out of Spec podcast. And we will see you next time. Bye. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.